Yo, what's up, people? I'm your host, Jay Will, and I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. I got a good show today, man, and it's just a couple topics we're going to kick it about. Um, the Black Church Banker. So, look, feel me on this. We are going to talk about this black banker from the UK, you know what I'm saying? Dude passed recently. So we're going to explore his life. Um, there was an article on Christianity Today that I read, and I thought it was super interesting. also think it's a very positive way to talk about race relations in the church and those aspects, right? Like if we being real the last couple of years, especially since 2020, people have been so triggered on race. It's almost like the most divisive topic in the world. And you just bringing it up now is like it turns people off. But on Inspire God's People, as leaders in the kingdom of God, as Christians and believers, I do think it's important, man, for us to be able to talk about certain things, but in a different way that the world is talking about it. The world talk about stuff to divide. divide I can talk. I said divide. I can't talk, people. The world talks about things to divide. You know what I'm saying? As a church, we should be talking about things like race or any other kind of touchy or controversial issues, really in a way just to bring us together and to grow. This story ain't divisive at all. I don't view it that way, at least. And so we're going to talk about um, this guy's life, Carmel Jones. He passed away um, in August, and I think he has an interesting life story. What we're going to do is read this article, and I'm going to try to pull, pull, I, pull I, can, I can talk. All right, so I'm going to try to pull some things out of um, the story, some principles and concepts, and hopefully try to kick it on those things, you know what I'm saying? And then we're going to also talk about, like, you know, what have you done with what you got? You know, we live in a in a world today, man, there's so much information out there, it's crazy, it's just like, you know, read this book, do this, and people throwing all this stuff at you, you know, including us, we throw stuff at you too, or me, I you know, Inspire God's People is a community. You're a part of that community. I would like to take a quick commercial break to say thank you, everybody, for 900 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. 900, man. We're on the road to 1,000. If you haven't subscribed, just check out Inspire God's People on YouTube or go to youtube.com slash at Inspire God's People or just put Inspire God's People in the search bar. Look, I do daily um, short inspiration videos. And then we have some long form, our podcast, hour or more. For those people that really, you know, you driving, you on a road trip, trip to work, traveling on a flight, whatever it is, and you need a little more inspiration. Thank you so much for subscribing. Like this video and share it with someone as well. All right, now that we got that out the way. So, yeah, I am excited about 900 subscribers. We just hit that today. I just hit 900 subscribers today. Or we you're in the community. That's why I say we. You know, I'm producing the show. I'm in the studio by myself. But you are a part of the community. All right. Whatever. Uh, what else I want to talk about? Oh, the scripture of the day, man. Let's start with that. The scripture of today is uh, I actually did a short video on this, but I thought it was a cool scripture. Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse one. Let's get into that. If I mean, it doesn't look like my Bible app wants to actually show the scripture. So maybe we should just share the screen and pull it up there. It says, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. I guess we're not pulling that up. But it says something to extend off the top of my head. 
um, dry crust is better in peace than a fate of feast in conflict. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's better if you literally just got some dry crust, which I know some of y'all got in your house because you got old bread. What is it with people in old bread? I don't get it. We were having a conversation the other day about old bread. I'm not really messing with bread if you within five days of it. I'ma just be all the way real with you. If you within five days of this bread about to be old, you might as well keep that all the way away from me. Keep it out of, uh, out of sight for me. I want fresh bread, soft bread, you know? But the Bible is saying, look, it's better to have some dry crust. You know what I'm saying? Some pizza that's been sitting in a box for three days and the crust is dried out. It's better to have that in peace than to have a full feast in conflict. I love Proverbs because the scriptures are just so to the point and the principles make so much sense. Like, yo, some of us don't have that much. You know, you got just a little bit, right? And you might be looking at the next person and everything that they got thinking that you want that. But it's like, bro, you don't want what comes with that. I think we do that sometimes with celebrities. It's like, yo, we be acting like we want their lives and really want to be like them. Oh my God, they love you. And it's like, bro, there's a lot of conflict that's coming with that feast. Enjoy your dry crust with a smile. All right, now that we got that out the way, <laughs> let's jump into this story, man. Um, I really, I'm really excited about this story. I'm gonna share my screen and we're gonna um, look at a little bit of this article, but we're not gonna dive too deep in it, I don't think. Uh, let me see what y'all are seeing. All right, cool. All right, so Pete, so this is on ChristianityToday.com and this article is, it's in the obituary section, which sounds like depressing, but I promise you, like, it's not going to be that vibe. We're not going depressed with it. This is from August 2nd by Daniel Silliman. You're silly, man. You're silly, man. Shout out to Daniel Silliman. Look, Carmel Jones, the black banker for British Pentecostals. I know some of y'all like, oh my God, why is he talking about race? Why is he talking about a black guy? I don't want to come on. Calm down, people. Can we just keep it cool? Like, I am black. You are whatever you are. That is okay still. I know that we live in a world where, like, we got to be mad at each other just because we different. That ain't even a vibe. I just think I love, like, learning the history of how we got here. So one of the things for me is, like, over the pandemic, I spent, I ain't going to say a lot of time, but I, I invested some time into really trying to learn, like, reading some books on slavery. I always talk about the autobiographies of Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass. I always advise people to read those. Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington is one of the best books you'll ever read in your life. And with the goal of really understanding what I like about Booker T. and why I rock with him and Frederick Douglass is they were born slaves. They lived in slavery, but they have this productive mindset about overcoming the challenges of slavery. Where I feel like we live in a world today where it's so much conflict and divide where people almost use these um, these past situations as a way to get more mad. Like, I'm like, how are you more mad than they were back then? I ain't saying bad stuff didn't happen. I ain't saying you can't be a little mad. 
I really think that there's stuff that we can learn from how did we get here to help us improve on every side, whether you black, white, purple, green, or brown. Like, I just think it's improvement on every side and it ain't just one person, it ain't just one race, but a lot of it is because we don't understand the history of how we got here. So that's what this is about. Looking at the history of how we got here, some of the stuff may be a little uncomfortable. When you learn history, it might be like good, it might be bad, but it's not all one thing. And that's what everybody tries to act like now. So let's go into the life of Carmel Jones, the black banker for British Pentecostals. With the vision of Jesus, he started a credit union that enabled dozens of churches to buy buildings. All right, so let's figure out what this is all about. Um, he started the, the only financial institution in the history of Great Britain that began with the religious vision. All right, cool. Let's see. He said, I had no one to guide me but God. All right, so let's get a little bit of history about uh, Carmel Jones. Shout out to his name, Carmel. I wonder what his parents was like. Was it, were they eating like a Twix or something? And it was like, Carmel. All right, anyway. Um, Jones, a Church of God in Christ minister who founded the Pentecostal Credit Union, PCU, in 1979, died on July 22nd at the age of 85 years old. 85 years old. All right, so this dude died at 85. God bless, God rest his soul. Um, but look, it is the second largest credit union in Great Britain with over 2,000 members and nearly 9 million pounds. That's equivalent to $9 million, I mean, $11 million in the US. So, all right, real quick, let's jump into what we know so far. Got this dude, Carmel Jones. His name is Carmel. Now, I'm going to fill in a little bit of the blanks because I don't want to read the whole article, but I will put the link to the article in the description of this video so that you can read the whole thing if you need or want to. I just kind of wanted to so show you the source of where the information that I'm going to be speaking on today came from, people. So, dude, Carmel Jones, he came, he was born and raised in, in Jamaica, right? So, dude is uh, born in Jamaica at the age of 17. His father gave him the choice. Like you can go to America or you can go to the UK. You know what I'm saying? I'm American. I feel like he should have chose America, but I ain't mad at Carmel because he went on to do great things. He obviously chose the UK. So he chooses the UK and he goes there and he was raised in the church. You feel what I'm saying? So he's raised in the church, but then he gets to the UK and then he got this kind of bad experience in the church. I don't know. Do y'all want me to go back to the article so you can feel like I'm not making up? Let, let's go back to the article just real quick. You know, we're going to touch on the article for a couple of things so that you don't think I'm just making up stuff. All right. Where is this at in here? Um, all right. His mother raised him. Father put him to work. He was 17. Gave him a choice right here. Right. Gave him a choice going to the United States of England. He chose England in 1955 at 17 years old. All right, so we go down here. Man, here we are right here. Adjusting to British life was not always easy for Jones. One Sunday after he first arrived, he went to church where he lived. As the service began, he noticed the other people were not paying attention to the prayers and the scriptures, all right? So he like, yo, they looking straight at me. <laughs> and so he said he didn't understand until uh, somebody came up to him like, sir, thank you so much for coming, but my congregation is a bit uncomfortable with a black person in their midst. All right, we can stop sharing. I just want you to see, like this is where the information is coming from. So homie is 17 years old, you know what I'm saying? Pops come to him at 17, that's kind of young. I know some of us, we like to baby our kids in America and today 
30-17. But uh, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, my man, 17, choose America or the UK. He chose the UK. He goes there. He's already a Christian, right? So what you going to do when you go somewhere new? You're going to go to church, right? But we know the history of the world ain't always been that way. And I'm going to be real with you. And this is the reason that I'm talking about this. I want you to be thinking about right now. Think about your church, whether you black, whether you white. If you got a black church, if some white people walk in there, some white people you don't know, you know, and they like culturally, like not from where we from. Because a lot of times we, we try to focus on color when we talk about race. But really what we be talking about is culture. I'm going to tell you what I mean. It's some black people that they look, talk, dress culturally white. So if you grew up and you grew up in a certain white neighborhood, certain type of social class, and you come across these type of black people, you you good with them. You're like, oh yeah, hey Bobby. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna imitate. I ain't gonna imitate people because it's gonna make people mad. Um, and I'm just being silly. I promise I'm joking. So I'm not even gonna do it. But then same on the flip side, you have white people who are culturally black. You know, they come to the hood. They around black people all the time. You know, they dress the way that the culture dresses. And like, to be honest, if we being real, like growing up in the hood, you always know one or two white people that like, really, you kind of be looking at them as just like they like, like they black, only they just can't say that one word. Other than that, they really get all the other passes that you could get to talk and like, because culture, culture is what we really be talking about. When we be trying to act like we be, I can talk. See what I'm saying? I'm culturally black, but I've been in corporate America being professionalized through college. Anyway, I'm being silly. All right, so let's get to the point. The question is, if someone culturally different comes in your church, how do you treat them? Right? Because we know biblically, like we're supposed to treat people, supposed to be welcome in the church, we're supposed to treat them good. But the fact of the matter is, we don't always do that. So sometimes what happens even today, if you are culturally different, so if I'm like culturally not, like I'm culturally more from the hood side or something, or maybe that's how I dress on that day. Maybe I come in your church and I got a snapback on and a, a denim jacket or something, and that throws you off because culturally I don't look whatever, whatever, or maybe how I talk. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. My my speech is a little somewhere in between. But you get what I'm saying, right? If someone culturally different comes in, how do you treat them? I want you to think about that. Back to Carmel, my man wasn't treated all the way right. So he, from being from Jamaica, comes to the UK, goes in this white church, and he thinking it's just a church, which it should be. We should be welcoming people on every side, people. We should be doing that, right? But they like, hey man, uh, instead of just imagine people like praising the word, how great is our God? Sing with me. The choir up there going in and they looking at you. Like, mm, how great is. So my man was thrown off and they were a little uncomfortable. So the significance here is that actually turned him away from God for some years. That happened when he was 17 and he didn't come back to Christ until his 40s, I believe. Now, so I want you to think about how 
us as Christians, just how we treat people can like affect other people's lives. You feel what I'm saying? Like you could be turning somebody off and pushing somebody away because you don't like some in particular thing about them. And you ain't even realizing, dog, you putting their soul at risk because you, you're the reason they're walking away from God. And it really shouldn't be like that on every end. And again, hopefully in this conversation, as we um, as I tackle some of these topics within the nuance of race, hopefully we unpack it in a way where we could get over some of this stuff and make progress and grow beyond it. Because I'm the kind of person, if I'm being real, like I'm not really the kind of person that want to just talk about what was all the time. Like, hey, it was like this or, you know, they did black people like this or, you know, it's like, all right, brother, sister. How we going to grow from it, though, and where we going to go from it? Like, because at the end of the day, I only got so many years on Earth. Like, this is my like this is my section of Earth. This is our time. Like the sections or whatever they did with their sections in the past. I can learn from it. I can respect it. I can acknowledge it. But I don't really have to do what they did. You feel what I'm saying? And I don't, I'm not living in their world. They didn't have an iPhone 15 and I do. I'm getting on the iPhone. You feel what I'm saying? I know they ain't have it back then. But I got it, so I'm gonna live in my earth. All right. So, so he's he's pushed away from the church, my man. Um, then later on in life, he met he meets his wife. He met his wife like a year after being there. Actually, she was a Christian in the Church of God of Christ, but he ain't mess with church. But he came across this individual that basically pointed to his wife, and my man loved his wife as a gift from God. And this whole idea that God blessed you with her, you need to be in the fold of Christianity. So what did he do? He went to church. While he's at church, um, I'm paraphrasing here. My man Carmel, being an ideas guy, has this whole, he sees how things are operating. He see that I'm in this black church and in the black church, they don't own their buildings. They don't, the banks are turning them away from loans. This is in the 1970s, I believe. Now we're in the 67. I can talk people. Let's just keep the cup right there. I can talk. We in the 1960s, 70s. So they turn the black people away left and right, right? So look, he has this idea. Um, a cut through. He had a dream about God encountering him on a roof. And he had started studying about credit unions. He was really nervous because he was, he literally said this in his prayer, like, God, you know how your people are about money, right? I want to talk about that real quick. Church people are so weird when it comes to money. Y'all got to chill on that. Like we need to, we need to learn about money and be educated about it so that we could properly use it. Think of money like um, a forklift or something, right? If you don't know how to use a forklift, you will kill somebody. You will kill, kill, kill somebody if you don't know what you're doing. So you might have to get training. You might need some type of license, a certificate or something. But what you don't do if you've never driven a forklift is just get in that boy and start driving it. Somebody's going to get hurt. With money, we spend it uneducated. We have it. We ain't been trained. We not licensed. So then we only know the toxic way to look at money. So then now we're uncomfortable with talking about things that relate to money because we are uneducated in this field. And so we have really a twisted view of it and an emotional view of money. And we assign things both, both positively and negatively to money based on our emotions, which are somewhat ignorant because we haven't been trained. Most of us, a lot of us, some of us, maybe, right? I know I wasn't. So what is my point? Church people are not comfortable with money. So this was part of Carmel's prayer. And the cool thing is 
he went ahead, he had this dream, God gave him the okay, he starts this credit union. All right, so let's go back to the article just really quick to kind of pick up a little bit on um, where he is. All right, so this is uh, uh, this is the part where my man was telling him about his wife. God was good, right? He said, wasn't, wasn't she wonderful? Didn't you think she was a gift from God? God was good. Jones should worship him, the evangelist says. So somebody evangelized to him. I thought that was pretty cool. He ends up going to his wife. He gets saved. He goes to church. Um, now we are talking about, man, he would go to the building where his church was meeting, let himself in and pray until 2.30 a.m. He did that every week for six weeks. So there was a lot of prayer involved here. And I do think that's an important aspect that we should be praying about these decisions. Look at this. Lord, he said, you know how your, you know how your people are touchy when it comes to money. So speak to me, reassure me, and let me hear loud and clear that I have your permission and blessing to go ahead. So I think that was a real important aspect of all of this is that he understood how funny acting Christian people were with money and he wanted to do something impactful. Let's go here. And this is an important thing I want to talk about. Jones started the credit union in October 1979, right? So this is actually like the anniversary coming up. 21 people met in the Jones home, signing up as members, each contributing one pound and 20 pence. All right. Not everyone loved the idea. Some prefer older ways of pooling money. Uh, look, ooh, somebody even said this. When it fails, as it will surely fail, it will bring the entire Pentecostal church organization into um, disrepute. And uh, one black minister told him, are you saying I'm going to fail? Yes, the minister said, minister said, because black people always fail, especially where money is involved. All right, let's stop. Let's unpack that real quick. I think it's a very interesting couple of interesting dynamics happening here. Number one, he understood that there was this problem. And like we talked about on this show all the time is that problems create opportunities. So this is why I think about problems and I say to people, well, how do you progress beyond it? Because what a lot of people like to do is just point at a problem and say, like, all right, this is a problem. And then they remind you of the problem. And then we talk about the problem and then we march about the problem and then we fight about the problem and then we protest about it. And it's like, all right, cool problem. But where's the solution at? How are we going to get past this? What I really like about people like Jones, Carmel Jones, is that, yo, he saw a problem, but then he started praying. He read this book about the rules of a credit union, so he started being educated. There's something beautiful. This show is about faith and business, and that's why I'm talking about this article. There's something beautiful about when you have education and faith. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says faith without works is dead, so you know that there's more to faith than just wishing or hoping there is some substance behind it. And then education is a way to properly understand something before you just go out on blind faith. Like God told me to start a credit union, but did he tell you to study? Did he tell you to pray? Hey, did he tell you to? Some of us only talk about the faith part of like, God told me to do this. And then we skip all the education. I love that he was a person. It's not about getting a degree, not about a formal education. You can educate yourself on Google and YouTube like ne never before. Go to uh, YouTube Community College and Google University and you will learn a lot of stuff. So what's my point? We should be educated. We should have faith. We should be trusting God, but also building and kind of balancing faith and business. Hence, inspire God's people. You should subscribe to the show and share it with your friends.
<sighs> Man, it's just that simple, right? But this is the other part I want to talk about. He had people that doubted him. Now, look, I know we live in an extra sensitive society where everyone has to believe in me for me to believe in myself. Everyone has to believe in me for me to believe in myself. No, everybody ain't going to believe in you. Everybody ain't going to love inspire God's people. But when you're called by God, when you're educated, when you have faith, you go out on faith and you build. I know some people, they don't want to talk about stuff like this. They want to talk about who's dating who and the next gossip and who broke up who. Like That stuff doesn't build anything, in my opinion. So I love these type of stories because I feel like as believers, like we're trying to get the purpose, right? We are trying to get the purpose. So we don't have time to be wasting talking about who's dating who or who slept with who and who lied. No, 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 I'm good. Let's talk about Carmel, Carmel Jones, the black church banker. So he believed. He was trusting more in what God told him than what people told him and even other Christians. And so sometimes people ain't going to believe in you. Keep working. Everybody ain't going to believe in you. Like it's just it's just life, man. We all have different opinions, different perspectives, uh, different vantage points in life. So it's like you can't expect everybody to believe in you, but just just keep working. All right, so let's let's get back to this article with with the homie Carmel. God rest his soul. All right, so um, ooh, right here, Jones didn't believe that though. Now this is in reference to the black minister that didn't believe in him, and said that black people always fail, especially where money is. Jones didn't believe that though. He didn't accept it. The following year, at age forty-four, he left Decca Record, which was where he reported uh, worked before, to work full time as a banker for black church people. All right, now here's the other part of what I want to talk about. Carmel Jones started this credit union at 44 years old. People, at 44 years old. You know what I'm saying? I'm not 44 yet. You might not be 44 yet. The average listener for Inspire God's People is about 25 to 44. That is actually about the range of this show. When I look at the listeners and all the analyst analytics, I can talk, people. My goodness, we're going to keep this cup nearby. When we look at all the analytics on the show, most of the people are 24 to 44 years old, 25 to 44 years old, somewhere in that range between Facebook, YouTube, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff, right? So when I think about it, it's like, why are people listening to a show like this in that age, age range? Let's be real, because somewhere in that age range in life, you're trying to find your purpose. Life then got real, real on you. You done probably wasted a lot of time, or you a person that has found your purpose and walking in it, and you just want to listen to something that continues to reinforce and give you new perspectives about that purpose. That's cool, too. This show serves both purposes. But for a lot of us, it's like, yo, we get to this point in life, we just trying to find our purpose, bro. Like, yo, like... Like, I need to get better. I need to do better. Like, I messed up in my 20s. I need to get my 30s right. You messed up in your 30s. You need to get the 40s right. Whatever it may be, right? And what I want to say is sometimes when you're going after purpose and you have missed out on things, you know what I'm saying? I know what it feels like to miss out on things. I know what it feels like to kind of take a step back or to fail and like kind of have to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and start all over again from scratch. I know what that feels like. And a lot of times... There can be like this fear of like, it's too late. So I want you to think about this story where Carmel came to uh, the UK at 17 years old from Jamaica, 
had some issues, even in church, turned away from God, got married, got saved, and find himself at 44 years old quitting his job and starting a new business venture. Now, this man just passed away, God rest his soul, last month at 85 years old. That means that even though 44 might feel old to some of us, or it might feel like, yo, you already in your career, you done already made whatever life mistakes you done made, like 44 for a lot of people be feeling like 84. But here's the beautiful thing about it. If you look at it in the proper context, he was just halfway through life. That was the halfway point. He had another 44 to go or another 40, what, 41 from there? He had another 40 years in him though. So a lot of times you making a decision and you thinking that life is just over. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying, hey, everybody might not make it to 85. Some might go to 95. Some might go to whatever else. But what I'm saying is like the way to look at our lives, in my opinion, is to like be in the moment while understanding how the moment affects the future and making good decisions, but learn from the past, but don't live in the past. And that's good or bad, because I'm going to be real. Some people live in the past for good stuff. It's like, bro, like you haven't like you haven't been cute since 2004, like and you still think you cute like you not. And some of us live like that. It's like, bro, don't live in the past like that, fam. I just feel like we have to be aware of the past, learn from it. But God still has more for you going forward. And I love that about this story that he really had just started at 44 years old. And so in that credit union is still going on today and with over 2000 members. You get what I'm saying? So he started at 44 with this vision, this plan from God and was moving from there. Look, I want you to be able to check out that article on your own. Again, it's going to be in the description of the show on Christian christianitytoday.com. But I was just hoping to share with you a couple of things about that journey um, so that you could see like, and it, it was successful for 40 years. And you know, what's beautiful is like he started on that path and now his credit union is still going without him. And he has a wife and kids and family and those people are his legacy and they will, I'm assuming, I don't know how they work in the business or not, but you see how he left something. And that's the beauty of purpose to me is like, bro, like you walk in your purpose and like you, you, you have a legacy that lives on beyond you. That's why you need to be listening to podcasts like these. And there are definitely others that can also help you along the way. There are a lot of Christian creatives out there. Be careful, you know, find the right ones. But when you find the right people who are focused on the right things and progressing in life and not just the past or not just angry or not just triggering you with all these negative things, then you too can go forward in your life. That leads me to the last thing that I want to talk about today. And that is, what have you done with what you have? Let me take a sip of my juice. All right. What have you done? I could talk. What have you done with what you have? So the reason that I ask this question is really because it's like, it's always something like every day on social media, it's a new word, um, a new story to be consumed, a, a new headline, like uh, some new information, like people trying to throw at you. But the question is like, what did you do with the last information? Because a lot of us are just continuing to gather and gather and gather, but we're not planting, we're not watering. And so therefore there is no harvest. Because if you just gather a bunch of seeds, right? That's how I look at information. Like, it's just seeds. You gather information. You, you know, uh, somebody preach about something. Somebody, you read a book about something. Like, 
you listen to this podcast. The goal of this show is to give you something that you could do something with. Like, I don't really just be talking just to talk. I really be trying to help you grow as I try to continue to grow. And then I even learn from the people that we interview on the show as well. I'm all, This show is about progress and progress and productivity. I promise I can talk. My point is, man, like at some point you got to go from gathering to planting. So like you got all these seeds, all this information, like some people learn about credit for years and never actually have good credit. They never actually plant the seeds of information that they receive so that they can actually produce life and produce some results from it. And so for me, I tend to be a results driven person. You know what I'm saying? That's just kind of how I operate. Maybe that's working in corporate America um, that we, we always have KPIs and things that we have to look at every year. But what I like about it is that it's a true measurement of like, how did you actually do? You come into the year, you have these goals that you said you're going to do. And then we come to a half point of the year. We have a touch point with our boss and you kind of get an idea for like, are you going to hit this goal? Are you struggling? What do you need to do to complete it? And then at the end of the day, um, at the end of the year, it's kind of like, hey, bro. All right, let's talk about these goals that we set. I think sometimes as Christians, we just talk. Like we just go to church, people preach. Oh, they preach. Oh, he fell on the floor. Sprinkle some water on you, threw a towel and like you spoke in tongues and you did all this stuff. And then afterwards, it's like, all right, yeah, nothing changed, though. I mean, we said the word breakthrough um, 500 times in service, but I actually don't even know what that means. Um, and my life is still exactly the same. And I just think that's a problem. So the question that I'm asking, what have you had? What have you done with what you have is intended to make you think, make us think, make me think um, and be introspective about like, OK, you're praying for more. You're trying to get to the next level, all these things. All right, I got 900 subscribers right now on YouTube. What have I done with the 900? Like some people praying for 9,000, 90,000. And then we don't even think those numbers are a lot anymore because our uh, perception about numbers have been skewed by social media and viral videos to where we only think something is value, valuable as if, if it's in the millions. I'm telling you right now, with 900 subscribers, this is one of the best podcasts in the world as it relates to providing you information that is productive and that if you actually grab it, like meditate on it, you can do something with this information. I believe that right now. I don't need 9 million people watching my videos to believe that. I don't need a video to go viral to believe that. I actually believe like all the way that this is valuable information. What have I done with it? If I believe it's valuable, am I producing the right content? Am I being consistent and loyal to the 900? You know, now again, by the grace of God, we have more than 900 because we've been doing an audio podcast for um, almost five years now. So there are thousands of people that listen on the audio, but as we're building this, this extension of the the um the podcast is like yo i'm looking and i'm like all right we got 900 but we gotta we gotta treat this 900 like 90 million flat out like we have to continue to grow that's the mindset what have you done with what you have look hit me up like put it in the comments like give your perspective about things we talked about tell me what you think about carmel jones like are you do you think this was a great idea or do you have a problem? Because it was like, well, he pulled all these black people together to have a credit union for black churches. That's racist. And it's not because you have to look at the fact that a problem pushed him there. And I think that's one of the things we have to think about. I do think there can be some um, div divisive um, avenues that are taken as it relates to helping particular groups of people. And that's something we got to measure case by case. But in this particular case, right, I'm not saying this is the same for all cases. But in this case, 
when you look at it, it's like, bro, he couldn't even go to church with white people. They, they couldn't get loans. They had to figure out a way to grow in the progress. And it worked for what it's worth. Um, but let me know your thoughts. Maybe you completely disagree with me and I welcome those um, comments and that feedback. You know, it's hopefully just respectfully. Don't cuss me out, but tell me how you feel, how you think um, in the comments, man. And share this show with somebody. Thank you so much. If you're not one of the 900 subscribers on YouTube, what's wrong with you, fam? What I do to you? No, I'm joking, man. But please join us. Like, subscribe. We're continuing to grow. Um, I'm going to continue to produce uh, valuable content for you that you can hopefully use in your life. I was about to say losing you. No, no. You can use it. You know what I'm saying? To find your purpose. That's what it's all about. Look, y'all have an amazing, amazing, amazing day. And a